0: Rosterwatch Nation, welcome back to the epic Rosterwatch podcast brought to you by Rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, flying solo here again today for kind of a breakdown of the weekend that was in preseason action and the fantasy fallout, the fantasy ramifications, uh, changes I've had to make to the cheat sheet or uh, adjustments to the various cheat sheets that I'm kind of, you know battling with in my head right now as we head into this, probably the final week of drafts. I know a lot of you guys had drafts over the over the weekend. We certainly appreciate everybody uh, tweeting to us and, you know, sending screenshots of your drafts. Some of you guys are just drafting absolute fucking monsters. Um, we love seeing it. And we can't thank you guys enough for your support, being pro members at rosterwatch.com. Just a couple of quick notes before we get into the game-by-game breakdown. Um... Byron Lambert, co-founder Byron Lambert, once again on the road for all of Roster Watch Nation. He is taking in camps uh, today as we record this. Uh, it's this early Monday morning. Um, he'll be at in Miami Dolphins camp for the next two days. Then after that, going to Jacksonville Jaguars camp, where it's perfect timing because Leonard Fournette is now back at practice as of Monday morning. So uh, get to get our eyes on the man-child Leonard Fournette. See how those situations are shaking out there in Miami and Jacksonville. We're hoping to get him up to Panthers camp following those two stops. Certainly, get a podcast with him at some point this week, uh, breaking down at least the Florida leg of that um, of that trip, and possibly one after Dolphins and one after Jaguars. So uh, keep you know keep tuned in for that. Make sure you're subscribed here to the podcast. Well, I'm talking about subscribing to the podcast. I'd also ask you guys, please, please, please give the podcast a five star rating and review in iTunes uh, if you appreciate it and you like what we do here with it. If you want us to keep doing it once the fantasy season starts, we're, guys, we're about to have to turn, we're about to have to turn our, our focus to, to week one. It's as, as crazy as it is, you know, get us start getting our week one rankings in, uh, get things loaded up into the DFS optimizer, the, the new hyper DFS that you guys are going to absolutely love. This thing is awesome. It's, Supercharged and it is addictive. Uh, So, you know, even more so than it was last year, whenever it was in beta for all you guys. So, certainly happy to roll that out. But if you guys want us to keep on doing these podcasts during the season, whenever our time is at an absolute premium, we want to maybe do them for, uh, on Tuesdays for like waiver wire podcasts to let you guys know what, where we're looking, what we're looking to do on waivers, where our priority needs to be, a percentage of budgets, et cetera. Let us know. And the, re- the way you can let us know is by giving us a good rating and a review on iTunes. Uh, I explained how to do it last week, and it was helpful in getting some people there to uh, give us the reviews. I have a feeling like it's kind of hard to figure out. Know, if you're listening to this on your iPhone, you might not even know how to go and give a rating or review on iTunes. So here's how you do it. Just right there in the app. If you click on the bottom, there's the little search icon at the bottom right on, on, on the little uh, toolbar there. You just click that in, in on the search bar at the top, just type in Roster Watch. By the time you get to ROST, it'll auto-populate for you to say Roster Watch Podcast. Click there on that, Right. Um, whenever the search auto-populates to Roster Watch Podcast. Then a page will come up where it'll have a few episodes of the podcast, and then sort of in the bottom left, there will be an icon, like a piece of album art that says RW, like Maniacal NFL Analysis, that's like the logo of this podcast, right? Click on that. That then takes you to a page where you can easily give five stars and write a review. It couldn't be simpler. We would certainly, certainly appreciate it. And then finally, uh, the best way to support the podcast is by going to rosterwatch.com, getting a pro membership. It costs less than a cheap cup of coffee. You get access to the cheat sheets that we're always talking about. You get access to all of our in-season tools like the matchup tools, the waiver wire cheat sheets, snap counts, touches, and targets tool um i mean, i'm forgetting it like uh the 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 vegas tool uh touchdown dependency all of our proprietary metrics all that stuff you get all season long to help you win a fantasy championship you can get it with a pro membership at rosterwatch.com it's cheap it's easy it costs less than a cheap cup of coffee and most importantly you're supporting this content like i always say it but i feel like with i, I don't know I just feel like there's a lot of disdain in this in this climate for the for the mainstream media. And what you're getting is you're getting, uh, you know, groups of groups of individuals that just, you know, are, are, are bringing this kind of new style of media, this kind of de- stuff that's decentralized from the mainstream providers. And it's it's brought to you by the listeners and by the consumers and by the readers and by the people who, who use the products. And it's just such a cool thing because you're getting this from us completely uncensored, completely unfiltered. There's nobody that we need to answer to because you guys pay our salaries. Like you guys are the ones like I I, I can afford to sit here and do this all day and watch back every single one of these games. We can afford to send Byron to every single one of these camps that we can afford to send us and the trash man and everybody did all the preseason stuff that we do, all the off season stuff that we do, the, the combine, the, the, you know, the initiatives with catapult technologies for the senior bowl. is going to be bigger and better this year. And it is because of roster watch nation. We are a nation, right? We're a growing nation of winning fantasy players. So if if you like the podcast and you're not a pro member at rosterwatch.com, we would implore you, please, you go and you see, it's only $3 and 99 cents. And it, it makes all the difference for us. So uh, especially this week, go get the cheat sheet, man. If like if you are not a pro subscriber and you're just listening to this podcast, I can't tell you every ounce of our intelligence goes into that cheat sheet. Go read the testimonials at Rosterwatch, rosterwatch.com success. You'll see it'll be the best investment that you have made uh, in your fantasy life. So uh, those are the footnotes. Byron is now Miami, uh, Jacksonville later in the week. Keep and the eye out for podcasts uh, coming throughout the week. Uh, go rate and review the podcast. Uh, th- just go back and listen to the instructions. It's super, super easy. And then uh, finally, go get a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. Okay, let's get into the podcast. The Roster Watch podcast is brought to you by Roster Watch Nation, our pro community at rosterwatch.com, who for less than a cheap cup of coffee, uh, support us in all of our maniacal efforts, uh, support us in the creation of all of our tools, uh, all of our travels, everything that we do to make sure that you win fantasy championships. The 2017 Watch Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com for our pro members the revolutionary cheat sheet that changed fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate the rosterwatch cheat sheet It's a magic sheet of paper all you have to do is follow the three simple rules that's it three simple rules guys it couldn't be easier the Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. An expert quality draft is guaranteed. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. It's mystical. It's magical. It's mythical. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. It's only at rosterwatch.com. All right, so we'll start out with the games from Friday night. And, man, what this was an eventful weekend of <laughs> games. I mean, we got a bunch to get to. Um, so let's just get right in. Uh, New England at Detroit. And, man, so clearly the Julian Edelman injury was the thing that I had to – I mean, there was a bunch of action that that night. Um, but anyway, with Julian Edelman getting injured, it, it, it sure looked like he was going to have a monster game before he went down. He had the first three targets of the game from Tom Brady, and I think he had over 50 yards. Um, so always sad to see him go down. We knew almost immediately that um, – that that was going to be a that was going to be a bad deal uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh sort of the repercussions of that once once we get done with the rest of these sort of notes from the game uh, there was no rex burkhead in this one deon lewis took all the snaps with the first team uh on the first drive then it was james white who handled uh, a one play second series and then Lewis came back in the third series. It was it was only a one play second series because uh, Chris Hogan, one of uh, two t- one of two touchdowns in about thirty seconds. That was just a deep bomb to Chris Hogan on that play. And Chris Hogan, you know, all in all, a monster game for that guy. Four receptions and seventy yards with two touchdowns on five targets. And so everybody comes to us on Twitter saying. Edelman goes down, is Hogan the pickup? And the answer to that is no, Hogan's not the pickup. He becomes a little bit more fantasy viable, but he's not Julian Edelman. He doesn't play the same role Julian Edelman does. They're not going to force a round peg into a square hole with, you know, trying to – it's just – that's not the way it's going to work. Um, we'll, we'll get into the way it's going to work here in a second. But uh, Golden Tate – it uh, looks like he was targeted on the first play of the Lions drive and the Lions first drive. And then he and then he fumbled. That was what led way to uh, the the second Chris Hogan touchdown. <laughs> so just it, like like I said, the complete monster out of him. Didn't get to see really near the action out of Brandon Cooks that we would have liked uh, only two targets, only one reception on this two. He actually dropped one of the two. But here's, what I was thinking during the game is I don't think Belichick's going to show too much of Brandon Cooks. I think Brandon Cooks has a week one monster, and I think he's going to come from virtually out of nowhere. After having kind of, in the preseason games, a kind of quiet preseason, I'll tell you, though, in camp, though, those videos that you see from camp, I mean, Brandon Cooks is out there absolutely bawling. So I am not worried at all about him. I love it that I can get him at the 2-3 turn in 12-team leagues, and that's something that I will continue to target, uh, something that users of the cheat sheet will continue uh, to find as a a viable strategy there at the 2-3 turn. Um, Gronkowski, he was interfered with on two end zone targets. It could have been an epic monster of a preseason game for him. And, you know, I've never been a take a tight end early kind of guy. Um, Sometimes Jimmy Graham falls in these drafts to like round six or round seven and Roster Watch Nation is going to own him there if they use the PPR cheat sheet. But with that being said, hardly ever take an early round tight end. I haven't seen any simulations where uh, our cheat sheet products have instructed users to take Rob Gronkowski. With that said, I mean, if he's being taken at the end of the second round, I just, I, I mean, I think that that's starting to be like, it's okay value. I wouldn't slap you in the face for taking him there because like one, you've traditionally had to take him in the first round, right? And two, in those years, you've traditionally taken him in the first round. He hasn't looked this healthy and good. He's doing the Tom Brady diet. He is, he's, you know, he's cut out alcohol and now with the you know, doesn't have any major injury concerns coming into the season. I mean, there was you know, I think he's had some back spasms and stuff like that. But I always say, man, with these big dudes, these Travis Kelseys, these Rob Gronkowski's, these Jimmy Grahams, being that big and that athletic, it's kind of a different breed of human than some of the other ones. You and so you're gonna you're gonna have some of these, you know, uh some of these issues where you have to just deal with them as part of the upkeep, you know, it's like maintenance with these guys. Plus, with with Edelman out, I think that honestly it should mean more, you know, seam and intermediate targets for um, for for Gronk. I, and just like overall takeaways from the from from the Edelman injury fallout, I, th- I think all right. So Gronk, I think he gets a small bump, right? Some of those, like some of those target like. Julian Edelman is a triple digit targets guy. He's a low average depth of targets guy, but he was a guy who got a ton of targets as an extension of the run game. And those targets are going to have to be replaced. So I think that Brandon Cooks gets a small bump. He's, he, he's, he's going to soak up some of those targets. Um, we have a ton of them. Roster Watch Nation has a ton of them. But at this point, I think he should be drafted over Des Bryant. Chris Hogan, like I said, he becomes fantasy relevant. Um, I But, like I said, not going to step into Edelman's role. If anybody steps into that kind of role, it's going to be Danny Amendola, who will get a bump into fantasy relevance in deeper leagues. I think that the pass receiving running backs probably receive the biggest increase in usage, uh, along with Gronk, I, th- I think. But I think it's James White. I think it is Deion Lewis. Uh, the, even Rex Burkhead. All these guys. So... When we talk about the running backs, all the backs who played in this game, they all looked good. You know, Mike Gillisley, we got our first look at him, but it was only when the Patriots got down inside the two yard line. James White was still in the game for snaps inside the tens, but, uh, you know, Gillisley did walk in untouched when getting the chance, though it was too easy. He also pounded in a a two point conversion on his second snap as a Patriot. So, a great first uh, two snaps for him. Um, you know, so all all these guys look good. Gillisley looked like he was going to be pretty good. It looks like he's going to be definitely used in some kind of goal line role. It's, I see I mean, as much as we've heard it said over and over again, it's going to be sort of the Garrett Blunt role. I don't expect 18 touchdowns. That seems like a major outlier, but you know this, this is going to be a team that's going to find itself in scoring position quite often, and he's pro and Gillespie's probably going to be used um, at times, also in between the twenties as the early down runner. It's just it's going to be musical chairs with these guys. Spending a seventh round pick on Mike Gillespie at this time is something that we just aren't going to do. I think Rex Burkhead of all these players, though, has the most kind of two-dimensional upside to where he can be an early down runner. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. The fact that you can get him in the 12th or the 13th round with the most well-rounded skill set and a guy that just seems like a Belichick running back to me, he just screams that he's a Belichick running back, this, this, this dude. So, I think that with all the extra targets from the Edelman injury with the fact that he can be used in that same role as a pass catcher, and the fact that where he's well rounded enough to also play on first and second down in this whole headache of a mix of runners, I like Rex Burkhead the best. Uh, as far as the um, as far as the Lions, I look, I thought Amir Abdullah looked good in the passing game. He was sometimes split out wide. He was all-around effective running between the tackles. He had 60 yards on the ground on 13 attempts. He caught all three targets to add on an extra 39. So, I mean, and and that was in a half. Like, that's that's 99 yards. Like, extrapolate those numbers over the course of a whole game. Like, you have nice volume. I think he's – I I still think he's a giant steal where he's being where he's being taken. somehow you can get Amir Abdullah in the eighth round, ninth round. We have a ton of exposure to this guy in PPR as our running back three. I like it, uh, you know. It, and if Abdullah was a bright spot for the Lions' offense, I guess you know Kenny Galladay somewhat of a letdown. This is the second game in a row where he's basically no showed. I guess the good part for Galladay though is that you know. He was on the field for, you know, most every play with the first team offense, you know, when they go to three wide, that guy's a starter and they seem to go to three wide a lot. I think he has the talent and the size and just the physical profile to eventually overtake. Uh, you know, a uh, 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 Marvin Jones. With that said, Marvin Jones had seven targets in just over a half. So you got to consider that as something uh, that could signal an uptick for usage in him uh, in year two, at least to start there in Detroit. Okay, um, next game, Kansas City at Seattle, and clearly with this one, God, I mean, we were just having t- on Friday night. I was having to update the cheat sheet consistently because there was a bunch of people going into drafts and I didn't want to have, you know, somebody using the cheat sheet taking Julian Edelman, (laughs) you know, because they would be super pissed at us. I'm editor in chief of of the website. No, thank you. I didn't want to be dealing with um, any of those tweets or, you know, having our customer service people sending me any, any of those angry emails. So after getting that done, then we get the Spencer Ware injury and at that point in time, to me, Kareem Hunt came squarely into play as a sixth or seventh round option. We previously were, we were getting loads of this dude in the eighth round as a player who we had baked into that, that he's eventually going to overtake Spencer Ware because he's the better athlete, right? We have that from all our intelligence, from all offseason long. Uh, then, you know, coming out of the Senior Bowl where Kareem Hunt was, was our you know, member of the all-senior bowl team at the running back position, all of our catapult data pointed to it, all of our eyeball data pointed to it, all of the data that we were able to get from scouts and that, you know, we followed up with at at the combine and that we we got to see, um, you know, we got to see accentuated through the rest of the NFL draft process. We love Kareem Hunt. And the fact that he was eventually going to usurp Spencer Ware and become 1A in a 1A, 1B committee and what looked like it was going to be just a two- to eight-week absence for Spencer Ware, that was enough to where we say, look, we're going to get this guy in the, you know, up to this guy in the early sixth-round consideration. We're going to get ahead of this thing before people know what the hell they're doing. So we got a ton more of him in those drafts on uh, Friday and Saturday, Uh, you know, then the news comes out that Spencer Ware is going to miss the season, and now there's been a new update to the cheat sheet. You can go and you can find where Kareem Hunt's being taken right now. But, you know, just a news flash, we're going to continue getting him because this is the lead back in an Andy Reid offense. I think, I, you know, I think that if you draft early in this week, I think you're going to be able to get him maybe in the fourth round. Now, if you want to reach and get him a little bit earlier, I certainly wouldn't be against it. I think eventually his ADP is going to settle. It's something that's going to be a little bit painful to take him at, especially for all of us who I was just looking back at all of, all of my serious XM experts leagues. I have that guy in every single draft that I've taken part in because I was getting him back in July in like the, the 11th round and stuff. So it's going to be a little bit hard to stomach taking him maybe at the end of the second where his his ADP could settle. But the fact is right now, the average fan doesn't know who Kareem Hunt is. So you can get him in your drafts, very v- extreme value, maybe in the fourth round. There might be one other guy in your league who's sharp enough to know that that's the kind of place where you might need to be considering him. I think by the end of the week, every, everybody's going to know who Kareem Hunt is. Our boy Matthew Barry is going to get on his podcast and he's going to talk about it, and you know then the masses are going to know. But I, I, th- I think for now we can still get him in the fourth. Keep an eye on the cheat sheets. Make sure you're you're drafting with the newest edition of the cheat sheet because one of the most important things I'm going to be doing is just kind of keeping a pulse of the ADP of Cream Hunt to make sure that we stay ahead of this deal. Make sure that we keep getting him. Um, uh, on the Kansas City side, no Thomas Rawls, no pro size in this game. So Chris Carson got some run with the ones early on. Alongside one fat Edward Lacey, uh, you know, in fact, Carson was in on the first offensive series. So I think just by the eyeball test alone, Chris Carson looks like the, even the more complete back than um, than Eddie Lacey. I know a lot of people were on him during the pre-draft process. I wasn't really on him as, as much during the pre-draft process. Simply because he was a guy at Oklahoma State that I, you know, didn't pop off to me as somebody that, could, you know, does a lot of work covering Big Twelve football, and he, he also lost his job during the season. But hey, that's that's all in the past. Um, he showed some really nice things this this preseason. Byron loved the way he looked at when he was up at Seattle camp. Um, he Also, looks really good in the receiving game. You know, it looks like he has a more well-rounded skill set than Eddie Lacy, who looks. I mean, he looked all right. I, I averaged just over five yards a carry in this game. I think he had four carries for 21 yards. But Chris Carson just looks better. And he's, he's going to make this team uh, two receptions for 44 yards for Carson too. He's going to make this team. And one sneaky move that's just a weird kind of, you know, weird tangent here. But Alex Collins, as a result of Chris, Chris Carson, I think Alex Collins is going to get waived. And he's not going to clear waivers. I don't think they're going to be able to sneak him on to the practice squad there in Seattle. So Alex Collins may be in Dynasty, a good sneaky pickup in case somebody does pick him up where he can be useful. I keep thinking the Baltimore Ravens because, as we'll get to, Terrence West looks like shit. Uh, New York Giants at New York Jets. Matt Forte got the start. So, good to see him healthy, but the Jets god damn it. These Jets are pure fucking trash. Just trash. The first three series with, Hacken, with Hackenberg, they were one was a three and out, one was a safety, and one was a pick six. <laughs> and I think it's worth noting that Bilal Powell, he didn't even enter the game until the fifth series. So, Powell looks like the backup He's being overdrafted in a terrible offense. The cheat sheet is only going to let you take him if he falls to you at extreme value. Uh, One redeeming thing, though, he did have a nice stat line in the receiving game. He had four receptions for 110 yards. That was thanks to an 85-yard scamper. But this is a committee, and it looks, look, if he's healthy, Forte's the 1A. Like, why is he being drafted six rounds after Bilal Powell? Just because he's old? It's like, who cares if he's old? Everything about this offense sucks. It's like it sucks that Forte is old. It sucks that Bilal Powell can't get anything going behind what looks like not that good an offensive line. Like, all this sucks. If I'm going to take a part of this thing that sucks, give me the piece that sucks in the 12th round who's actually the starter. Powell looks to be a nice change of pace plus, nothing more. On the Giants side, uh, Evan Ingram got a lot of run with the first group, you know. He he was targeted three times by Eli, including one in the end zone he couldn't quite get to. You know, that could have to do with the fact that all the pass catching starters like Marshall, OBJ, all these guys were out, but still, I mean, I think Evan Ingram could have an easier transition to playing tight end in the NFL simply because he doesn't he doesn't line up in line. He doesn't line up attached. So he doesn't have to get into all those meetings with the offensive line and learn all the blocking schemes and the protection aspects and all this stuff the same way that the typical tight ends do. He just, he lines up, flexed stuff off the line of scrimmage. He's a big wide receiver. So I don't see the learning curve being that steep with Evan Ingram. I don't perceive him as particularly viable as a redraft option, but I think in DFS, he's going to be somebody who we target in, 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 in weeks versus bad coverage linebackers and, and bad coverage safeties. I think they're going to find ways to, you know, they're going to find ways to get him involved. Um, Paul Perkins, I think it was an encouraging effort thirty three yards on six carries. a little bit worrisome to see Orleans Darkwell come in on the third series of the game with the ones and play the entire series also ended up scoring. I think if an injury occurs to Perkins that Darkwa is the clear number two that is not going to be Gallman. that's not, Wayne Gallman just sucks. We've told you that all our analytics from West college games say that um. You know, good college player, I guess. He's not going to be any good at the NFL level. Shane Vereen, we know his role. So, Orleans Darkwood, if you do draft Paul Perkins, which we're getting a lot of him using the cheat sheet, he represents great value, man. You get Paul Perkins the eighth or ninth round of these drafts. Let's keep – just you know, if he if he goes down, let's just remember that Orleans Darkwood looks like he'll be in line to to, to get a good amount of volume. As for the Jets receivers, I mean – Robbie Anderson, I guess, he still looks to be Hackenberg's favorite, but I guess you know. our Darius Stewart did do some damage in garbage time. We should make a note of that. The rookie out of Alabama. Five receptions for 82 yards and two touchdowns. Okay, uh, Arizona at Atlanta. Boy, what a nice stadium the Mercedes-Benz Stadium is. Arthur Blank is just trying to give a middle finger to Jerry World. (laughs) He's just saying, but, you know, I mean, that thing is nice. Like, if you get a chance, you guys will all see soon enough if you haven't got a chance to see one of these games at Atlanta during the preseason. But, you know, it's just awesome. It's like, I was, I was um, generally not a, you know, generally <laughs> not something I was super focused on. But anytime there's a new stadium to, to get a good look at, it, you know, you're always a little bit intrigued by it. And that is a very nice one there in Atlanta. Too bad they couldn't get that whole Chick fil A thing figured out. <laughs> if you didn't hear, they, um, they put a Chick Fil A there in the stadium, and of course, as everybody knows, Chick Fil A is not open on Sundays because they're, they're, you know, they're owned by they're owned by Christian fundamentalists. You remember the whole thing about um, what was it about? They did they say they wouldn't hire gay people or something? Or am I completely making that up? Let me look it up here on the internet just to see if that was a thing because I certainly wanna wouldn't want to put that put that evil on them if that was the case. But it was. Something along those lines. Yeah, there was a there you can look it up on on Wikipedia. There's a Chick-fil-A same-sex controversy, a bunch of a bunch of picketers. It also looks like they continue to bankroll anti-um LGBTQ causes, even as of um, you know, just July of twenty seventeen. So clearly they're you know, they're clear Christian fundamentalists. So of course no, no, no working on the Sabbath. <laughs> but that means, you know, you can't get the Chick-fil-A during the games. All these games are on Sunday. I think there's one Thursday game <laughs> scheduled for the stadium this year where um, fans will get to get uh, get to get to eat some of the Chick-fil-A. But regardless, really nice stadium. Anyway, as far as the actual game, uh, for, uh, on the Arizona side, David Johnson only played two snaps, but he caught one pass for eight yards. Um, also, welcome back to fantasy, John Brown. Only two targets, but both were deep balls for touchdowns ended up with two targets for two receptions for 49 yards and two touchdowns. So, John Brown, uh, his his demise greatly overstated with all the sickle cell stuff and uh, soft tissue injuries that seem to be – I don't know if that stuff's interrelated or how that works, but it seems like maybe the sickle cell has made him a little bit, you know, a little bit maybe more prone to this stuff, a little bit harder to recover from this stuff. I'm not a doctor. I'm not, I'm not even going to get into that shit. But – Great great effort there for John Brown, clearly. Um, on the Atlanta side, no Devontae Freeman still in the concussion protocol. I believe as of Monday he will be returning to practice, so uh, good news there. We also got very le- little Tevin Coleman, but God, man, Tevin Coleman looks great. It was just limited duty, but just highly efficient as usual. 33 total yards on just four touches. I am glad we have such a high exposure to him in redraft. I think that there's – I mean, you can get him in the – him and C.J. Anderson and stuff in the sixth round, seventh round, that's just – it's crazy stuff, man. He, he's just – look, he's also an excellent guy to trade for in Dynasty right now. He's going to get a new deal after the 2018 season when his contract is up. He's getting paid a pittance. He's only getting paid 675000 for this year. So he's going to get a nice new big deal. He's going to follow the money. He's going to be somebody's featured back. And here's the thing concussions are sneakily starting to become a little bit of an issue with Devontae. I think he's had 3 in the last 2 seasons. If he gets another one this year, he's going to be he's going to miss significant time. So love 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 me some Tevin Coleman. Love where I could take him in fantasy drafts uh, as compared to Devontae Freeman, people worry about what Kyle Shanahan being gone, whether or not he's going to be schemed into the offense in quite the same way. All we've heard for, from throughout the – and that's look, it's not like that. It's people fucking get at us on Twitter and say that, and I'm just like, dude, it's not like we haven't thought about that. It's not like you're the first idiot to think of this angle. We've been thinking about that since the combine where we've addressed these guys. We've personally addressed members of that staff, not only in public forums but in private forums. And they basically say, look, this thing's not broke. We're not going to fix it. We're going to keep getting Tevin Coleman involved with the same amount of volume uh, in this next year. That's not, that's not a Kyle, It doesn't take a Kyle Shanahan genius to show that it works. Okay, Buffalo at Baltimore. Uh, no Flacco in this game. We did get assurances today from John Harbaugh that Flacco would be ready for week one. So that's certainly good because this passing attack is anemic at best with Ryan Mallett under center. And anyone drafting Jeremy Macklin, anybody drafting Mike Wallace, etc., they say Flacco's going to be back, but you should have backup plans for fantasy use in week one or for however many weeks until Flacco returns. We were told at the beginning this was only going to be a one-week deal for Joe Flacco. So have backup plans in mind. Um, Terrence West looks no good. He just can't get anything going. He looks like a fatty... Just a fat little boy, fatter, you know, just a little fat boy, a butterball. He looks fatter than ever this year. Not as fat as Eddie Lacy, but just he looks like he's put on too much weight or something. I don't know. No vision, no burst. I want no part of him in any format. Uh, you know, I'm almost interested to see how Woodhead looks because I'm not thrilled about Buck Allen either. Now the kids smoke my He's intriguing as a pass-catching option himself. He had a team leading six targets for 54 yards and a touchdown in this game. He was mixing some with the ones in a Woodhead-like role. I just wonder, is there room for two of these guys once Woodhead gets back? And when is Woodhead getting back? And Woodhead's old. And Woodhead is always hurt. So smoke is a guy that they might keep on the team, just a name to file away. Smoke Mazel. I don't know if he's end up on the practice squad, anything like that. But he's the kind of guy where in DFS in week nine or something, if Woodhead's hurt, uh, he's just you know he's a guy who we need to know. He's a little bit taller than Woodhead. I think he's five foot ten to Woodhead's five foot seven, five foot eight. But he's also a little bit lighter than Woodhead. Uh, Woodhead's more like a one ninety five kind. Of, guy 200 pound type guy i think smoke's more like a 185 190 type guy but dude he's a guy who looks good with the ball in his hands so smoke Mize, we'll keep an eye on him uh tyrod taylor was concussed early on a play that i didn't think it looked like he was hit in the head but then when you watch back you saw he hit his hit the back of his head on the on the ground so it's and it's sometimes those those you know so those plays that don't look like they're that bad that end up being kind of bad. So hope for the best for Tyrod. Uh, mentioned it last week. It looks like Charles Clay is going to get a, a big increase in targets with Watkins gone. He had seven, seven more targets in this game uh, versus the Ravens, and that was just in limited action. So I think Charles Clay is going to be viable at the back end of your drafts as a guy you take as your tight end too if you, you know, if, if, if you wait and take a tight end late, um, you know. If you're worried about Eric Ebron being available for week one, I think that Charles Clay represents a, a fine fill in for that week. I think to start the season, he's going to get a good amount of volume. Uh, speaking of volume in that, uh, Buffalo Bills passing attack. All roster, bo- all senior bowl team, uh, all, all, I guess what, member of the roster watch all senior bowl team, uh, Zay Jones led the Bills in targets. With eight, look, he's the new number one there. I've told you it all along. I cannot believe these fucking frauds and these charlatans that act like they're industry experts. Tell you it's going to be Jordan, goddamn Matthews. Look, I have been, I've, I've seen both of these guys with my own two eyes for weeks of practices. I've seen, to, you know, they're they're both of their combines. I think. We no, we didn't go to either of those did we go to Matthews's pro day? No, we, we did not we didn't go to that Vanderbilt Pro Day. But look, I've seen a ton of the both of these guys. Anybody that says that Jordan Matthews is gonna come in and be a number one on any offense over, over Zay Jones just doesn't know what they're talking about. So and and that's so it's just the my best advice is don't listen to anybody who who tells you that. Cleveland Browns at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A little bit to unpack with this. When Quiz Rogers started the game as it was a dress rehearsal, and I guess you know Martin won't be available for Week One. You know he couldn't get anything going. And I, look, I stand by the idea that he poses no threat to Martin's job while Martin serves his three-game suspension. Martin remains a steal, an absolute steal in the ninth round of PPR drafts. Roster Watch Nation will own him at a 100% clip if you can get him there in the ninth round. It's just it's a no-brainer. It's an insta-call. It is an absolute yes, like an insta-click on a trade. It's like, you know that deal when you get a trade offer and you just don't even need to think about it. You just click it. That's how Martin is in the ninth round of PPR drafts. Uh, also on the Buck side, once again, Cameron Brait with three times the targets of O.J. Howard. Cameron Brait targeted six times. O.J. Howard targeted twice. Look, I still love Howard and Dynasty, but I've been telling you now for three weeks that Brate's going to outshine O.J. Howard this year in redraft. That's just the way it looks like it's going to be. Um, with, with that said, I still think O.J. Howard's worth a top six to seven pick in, in uh, Dynasty rookie drafts. Deshaun Kaiser, new starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns as it was announced after this game. You know, he, he had his ups and downs, but the big fantasy takeaway was Corey Coleman. He was targeted eight times in this game. He made some sick Odell Beckham-like catches, the same catches we fell in love with during his pre-draft process. I mean, for a guy you can target as your wide receiver five, he has immense upside as as what appears to be Kaiser's favorite target. Uh, Bad news for Kenny Britt, but great news for Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman is by far his favorite target. Um, Look, it's going to be a roller coaster being tied to Corey Coleman's arm, or being Corey Coleman being tied to Deshaun Kaiser's arm, right? It would be a definite roller coaster being tied to Corey Coleman's arm, but for Corey Coleman being tied to Deshaun Kaiser's arm, it's gonna be a, a, a roller coaster. But it's a better connection than you could have ever imagined with Brock Osweiler. That guy just sucks, you know. So Cody Kessler, any of this, you know, we've we've seen that that, that there's not there there is a connection brewing with Kaiser and Corey Coleman. Keep that in mind. Get them on your radars perfectly acceptable uh, guy to target there in the last round of your drafts. So you can have him as your wide receiver five. That's a guy who you're probably going to – that kind of player is a player who you usually end up dropping for a hot waiver wire pickup at some point anyway. What I'm telling you is I think Corey Coleman might be a hot waiver wire pickup here in the early weeks. If we st- – I mean, eight targets in one half of football and the catches. I mean, I just – look, you heard it here first. The good news is all the roster watch nation. At least on the standard cheat sheet, apparently, in the in the standard cheat sheet, they've been getting massive exposure to Corey Coleman. I need to get him up on the PPR cheat sheet, and we'll be even probably getting him up farther and updates throughout the rest of the week. Indy at Pitt. Pit, um, you know, I don't, I I didn't have. There were no standout performances in this game. I mean, this is, I, I don't even, I guess. All right, I mean, here's, here's my biggest takeaway. Martavis Bryant, team leading six targets. He is back. He is fully integrated into this offense. He is the sickest wide receiver three you could ever imagine having. And if you're using the PPR cheat sheet, you are getting him at an unbelievably high clip. There at the, you know, round five, round six turn. And it just feels so, so sick to put Martavis Bryant into your wide receiver three or your flex because he looks like a giant fucking alien from outer space that is as fast as a deer and as tall as A.J. Green with fingertips like a Martian. I mean, Martavis is just too, too sick. You know, enjoy getting him there because it's an absolute steal. Um, Houston and New Orleans, the Saints starters didn't play much and the Texans looked like absolute shit. So it played out like you would picture a thirteen-zero Saints win in the preseason versus the a shitty Tex, what looks to be a shitty Texans team playing out. I mean, Texans look good on defense, but just that offense. You know, I'm always kind of coming at this from a fantasy slant. So certainly, you Texans fans, I don't want you to think I'm saying that there's anything wrong with your defense. It certainly looks very good, but that offense is. Just, I mean, no big action for anyone. It would have been a nice spot, I think, for Deontay Foreman, but Deontay Foreman was held back with a groin. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. I was told by a source close to that situation that that was no big deal and he'll be ready to go for preseason week four. If you wanted to get a first look at Mark Ingram or AP, neither of those guys did much. Ingram started the game, but AP came in on the second series. Neither stayed in action for long. Um. Adrian Peterson had six carries for 15 yards and one reception on one target for minus one yard. Ingram had four carries for nine yards and caught two of three targets for 11 yards. There was no Alvin Kamara in this game. And I think what you just saw is that, you know, Mark Ingram's going to be in one series. AP's going to be in the one series. I don't know how to split the difference on this thing, except I want the guy who I can take later, which is Adrian Peterson. And I'm fine taking him as a a guy who I can maybe think of to start out the season as a rotational flex player option as part of a a larger kind of running back core um like a platoon flex kind of deal where it's like maybe i can play the matchups get ap in there one week get paul perkins in there one week get something like an amir abdullah or a theoretic in there one week i'm totally fine with that approach i do not want to depend on adrian peterson as one of my top two options though at the running back position Certainly don't want to depend on Mark Ingram in in that capacity either. And where you're having to take Mark Ingram in the fifth round right now, it's highly likely that you're going to have to be depending on him at that capacity or depending on him in that capacity. I simply am not comfortable with it at this time. Let's see. uh, Oakland at Dallas. Marshawn Lynch, beast mode. Uh, Got to see him in action. Only two carries on nine snaps. Look, there's no need to wear that guy out in the preseason. It's hard to see how good he looks on such a limited sample, but he, he was running pretty hard. He looked right at home in that Raiders jersey. Looked good catching the football as, as, as well. So uh, great to see beast mode out there, even if it was only nine snaps, two series, whatever. Zeke with some preseason action. He only played 17 snaps himself. Just like beast mode, nothing too notable. Both of these guys only averaged about three yards per carry in early duty. Um, Darren McFadden, even fewer snaps than Zeke, but he's the clear number two. Right, Zeke comes in, only plays a few snaps, 17 snaps, and McFadden comes in, only plays 11 snaps, and they put him on bubble, put put him in bubble wrap, get him on ice. You know, he is the number two, regardless of all this committee talk. While while Zeke's out, look, he played on one successful drive. He capped it. That thing got capped off by a nice Jason Witten touchdown, and then uh, he followed it up, but with one more series before Alfred Morris and Ronnie Hillman took over. It was actually Ronnie Hillman that was in even before Alfred Morris. Um, but speaking of that Jason Witten touchdown, Like Witten's looking to come into the season as one of Dak's favorite targets, and he may currently be undervalued in PPR leagues. I was I, He was an afterthought for me. I'm not even sure he was on the PPR cheat sheet until two weeks ago until Byron told me I had to get him on. I've been steadily moving him up since then. Uh, un, undervalued right now. Six targets in limited action. He had six receptions for 74 yards and a touchdown. Basically peppered through the first half. Dak loves him. So um we'll keep that in mind quiet game for michael crabtree but a very encouraging one for amari cooper he's showing he still has a lot of chemistry with Derek carr despite missing so much camp i don't think he has the chemistry that crabtree does uh still cooper led the raiders in targets he had six in limited action he held in four of those for 78 yards and a long touchdown now i note i did say a long touchdown we can still expect Crabtree and Cooper to alternate big games, but what we do know, and we know this from sources very close to that that team uh, from the training camp tour and also just from previous conversations, Crabtree is still the much preferred option in contested catch situations and, and in the red zone. So, uh, look, it's, it's, it's not going to be anything where Cooper automatically now starts getting peppered with end zone and red zone targets. That is very, very, very much still Crabtree's world. With that said... That's a situational thing, and we don't like depending on situational things in fantasy football because it's basically impossible to peg situationally what's going to happen on a you know on a week to week basis in these games that are you know standalone events. All right, uh, Chargers at LA <laughs> Rams, so I guess you know LA at LA. Um, Todd Gurley was a healthy scratch, so th- there's no need to give that guy any more abuse. He's about to get a ton of volume. Uh, Texas ex Texas Longhorn Malcolm Brown filled in. He's actually Malcolm Brown. He's going to be a very high efficiency yield handcuff to Todd Gurley. Um, looks pretty good too. Uh, if 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 Todd Gurley were to get injured, um, Malcolm Brown would be in you know front end RB two consideration on a week to week basis. So just you know something to keep in mind there. Uh, on the Chargers side, the first play of the game was designed to get the ball in Keenan Allen's hands just ASAP. Look, expect the Chargers to go to Keenan Allen early and often. He may be roster watch Nation's most owned player in PPR this year. Very limited duty. He had five targets from Phillip Rivers. I mean, it's going to be a target monster. And speaking of Rivers, just a great start and an early exit from the guy. You don't have to see much from from this dude. Six for six for 85 yards and a touchdown. He's been a top ten fantasy quarterback over the last four seasons. Like, he's going to be again in this season – his weapons in 2016 are as good as ever and the offensive line is somewhat improved i have no idea how he keeps going in the 13th round of the fantasy drafts like he is scraps like what are people doing why is like i don't even i don't even get it as we've been saying i think the chargers this is a sneaky defense these chargers for fantasy they have elite corners they have one of the NFL's best young pass rushers in Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa had a strip sack on Jerry Goff that Melvin Ingram picked up and ran for a long touchdown. Melvin Ingram, no slouch himself. Melvin Ingram, who at the Senior Bowl would walk around in the hotel, jump up in the air, and do backflips. <laughs> it's like that's an, that's an athletic group. They have great young inside linebackers like – Look, I think Pittsburgh is a great defense to target in, in the, um, the second-to-last round of your draft just because of their starting schedule. But I think the L.A. Chargers are going overlooked as a team that you might be able to just pick up and play every week. In contrast to how Sharp Rivers looked, Goff sputtered in this dress rehearsal week of the preseason, which is kind of discouraging. Coming off that week two performance, it looked like, you know, it was Jared Goff, Montana, <laughs> Jared Goff, Marino. But, look, I mean, I think he showed in that one that he turned, you know, he he turned a, a corner along with, with the rest of that offense and Sean McVay. It's like, kind of like we were talking about Deshaun Kaiser earlier and the Corey Coleman deal, like being attached to Deshaun Kaiser's arm, what that does for Corey Coleman. I think that owners of Rams players in fantasy are going to have to get used to the fact that they're going to have to deal with some week-to-week variance. I, 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 I still think it's safe to say the team should improve as a whole through those growing pains. I'm fine taking players like Todd Gurley. I'm fine taking Sammy Watkins if he falls. At what? I mean, if you can get Sammy Watkins in the sixth round of your as your, your draft as your wide receiver three, I think it's fine. I love taking Cooper Cup in the final round of my drafts before my kickers and defenses. I'm fine with all of this stuff. I just, uh, you know, I, I I want listeners to understand, and I want you know members of roster watch nation to understand that, you know, this 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 Rams offense while improving is going to come with some ups and downs. You know, Green Bay at Denver. I, don't, I mean, what can we take away from this? There's not too many players I'm interested in on the Broncos' the offense outside of C.J. Anderson. I, I want no part of that passing game. I mean, we. We've invested resources to be there and get our eyes on this thing. It sucks. The Packers didn't play for long. Um, Jamal Williams, you know, rookie Jamal Williams for the Packers, he, can't, he continues to look underwhelming in the run game. He had uh, 1.3 yards per carry in this one, but he did catch three targets for 46 yards. So to keep that in mind. A little, Maybe a little underrated aspect of Jamal Williams' skill set. Still, Ty Montgomery, on the other hand, looked excellent as a runner between the tackles. Versus a stiff defense, to the Denver Broncos. It was it was a small, you know, three-carry sample, but 10.3 yards per carry and a touchdown. So Ty Montgomery, is I, I'm, I'm not buying Jamal Williams coming in there and taking over his job anytime soon. Uh, another Jamal, Jamal Charles. Doesn't quite look like vintage Jamal Charles, but he looks like a version of it. And Byron was white from Broncos camp. He says, man, like, when this guy gets healthy and he gets some pads on – He's going to be fantasy relevant. I don't think he's likely to bite into too much early down work from CJ Anderson, but all this talk of Jamal Charles being done and him possibly being cut, like all this, like that seems silly now. He looks good. So Jamal Charles still back on now, back on the redraft radar. I think in those very late rounds, you can get him for free. Once again, another guy, another option with that last round before you take kickers and defense, I think it's perfectly viable. This was a very, um, very, very promising start from Jamal Charles. He certainly cer- certainly looked spry out there, looked good. Not quite vintage JC, but, yeah, I mean, something like vintage JC. So we just, we'll just we keep an eye on that. And then Trevor Simeon, he seems to like Emmanuel Sanders. He targeted him eight times, which, I mean, definitely eye- eyebrow raising. That's a monster number of targets, especially for uh, limited duty am- among the starters. But these aren't high-value targets. This is a PP-armed little Trevor Simeon. He was only able to haul in three of these things. So this Denver passing attack is anything we want any part of. As we've stated over and over and over again, let the other idiots in your lead take Demaryius Thomas, take Emmanuel Sanders, just, you know, let them have that headache. Let them wish for 70 yards a week. Uh, Chicago at Tennessee. Look, this Titans offense hasn't really looked good all preseason. And just so, you know, what Molarky did, he made them go into the fourth quarter in this one to try and get at least some positive things going before taking them out. Uh, Derrick Henry ended up getting a touchdown there in the first play of the fourth quarter. That was the last play in there with the starters. DeMarco Murray also getting some work in this game. I think not even looking like. I think this is the year that Derrick Henry takes over for DeMarco Murray. He just looks like the better runner. I know that they paid DeMarco Murray more money, but uh, this is the kind of year that just seems like it's gonna be that transition year for those guys. I still think DeMarco Murray's being a little bit overdrafted right now when you can't get him outside of round six or round seven where you can be taking bona fide starters in that exact same range. Mike Glennon and the Bears on the other hand, they look decent to actually very good to start with a long, well-executed drive. Uh, I think clearly the big news of course was the Cameron Meredith injury, Cameron Meredith uh, I never bought into Cameron Meredith being the, the number one in that offense anyway. I just said that offense doesn't have a one as much as shitty players. Um, with that being said, now Cameron Meredith, torn ACL. Kevin White now does emerge as a, as a late-round ad that we're comfortable with. I mean, he was an amazing prospect that we had as the top wide receiver prospect in that class. Something's happened to him with the injuries, and then something mentally's happened with him which I wasn't that surprised by the mental stuff. We got a lot of shit at the senior bowl for reporting what an NFL scout told us. And that's that Kevin White had a fear of competition. That was something psychologically that that scout was worried about him. Some kind of fear of competition, something mentally, some kind of head case thing with him. And it seems like that he has, he's been bothered in the head. It's its like, it's been really weird. It's hard to explain. It's hard to, hard to understand, but Um, maybe he's forced into, you know, playing like he used to play or something. I don't, I don't know. Like, like I said, amazing prospect, amazing measurables. If he has the opportunity now to get something going and he's maybe force fed some targets, he could, he could step up into that number one role. And if he does, there's a lot of upside despite that offense being, you know, appearing to be pretty dysfunctional at this point in time. That being said, you know, if Mike Glennon can do it, um, I just – you just got to put a big caveat and say these Tennessee Titans in coverage, they are just the absolute – they are the f- fucking worst. I think that they – I don't have the matchup tool pulled out for week one, but I think they're going to start out a top three matchup for us for opposing wide receivers. Uh, the addition of Adore Jackson there in the defensive backfield, it did not change their, their you know, coverage woes overnight uh, whatsoever. Um, Cincinnati at Washington – it was just to me. It's disappointing. Josh Doxon once again inactive. That was uh, that was uh, Jay Gruden's decision. Gruden said after the game that he had some soreness in the hamstring and groin area, and he just he put Doxon on ice. I just it's frustrating, man. Like when are we going to get Josh Doxon? Look, that whole Washington offense is sputtered to start the twenty seventeen preseason, and so it's hard to draw much from the sample, but. I'm not. I mean, it sure doesn't seem like Terrell Pryor showing any massive signs of having like a monster breakout year either. You'd like to see him budding a, you know, budding a little bit more chemistry with Cousins. For a guy who people are taking in the third round of drafts, none of roster watch nation is. I haven't seen him drafted once in in one cheat sheet simulation. The third round is just too early for Terrell Pryor. Uh, I guess on the sign, like look, A.J. Green is A.J. Green. I, I think what most people th- think about in this or what they want to know about is the running back situation. Look, Joe Mixon continues to look better than Jeremy Hill, but Jeremy Hill still starts. There was an injury to Jeremy Hill in this game, but it doesn't sound like anything serious. It's not going to hold Jeremy Hill out of week one, and Jeremy Hill is not going away. Mixon also fumbled in this game. He was mixed in with the ones along with Hill and Geo, but Mixon was the third back to enter the game. So my worries continue about Joe Mixon to start the season. I think he's going to take over as the season wears on. He's a guy that as you watch the game, I was on Sirius XM radio yesterday as this game was playing out, I was screaming into the headphones, you can't keep this guy off the field, you know, for too long. How long are they going to see before you 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 can't keep this guy off the field for extended periods? They're going to see it. It's going to happen. But I'm worried about him to start the season. I just say, you know, Approach the beginning of the season if Joe Mixon's one of your frontline guys. Approach it with caution because I think there's going to be a lot of variance with how much playing time that he gets. I think by the time we get to week four or week five, it's going to be a lot more predictable. But until then, just you know, have some backup options in tow and, and, and be able to deploy those backup options, and possibly even in place of Joe Mixon, uh, um, de- de- depending on matchup and depending on what occurs with this Jeremy Hill injury situation. Finally, uh, Minnesota at San Francisco. Brian Hoyer was dealing to start this game. I mean, the first what a first half from that, dude. What, I mean, if this is the Shanahan effect, he's just got the magic touch. 176 yards and two touchdowns in the first half with a big bomb to Marquise Goodwin. Pierre Garçon had six catches himself. There is value to be added in this new iteration of the Kyle Shanahan offense. I swear, man. Um, Carlos Hyde. He's going to be used in the passing game more than anybody realizes. He had a passing touchdown. It looks to be a big part of the offense, as expected. Uh, he gets these runners involved in the passing game on screens and such. Like he, Shanahan can cook some things up as far as the game plans are concerned. So, uh, like, like we mentioned earlier, Carlos Hyde had the big sick catch over the middle for the nice touchdown. He's just such a value right now in the fifth round of PPR drafts. And I love his uh, $4,800 salary on on DK for week one. That's just a massive underprice. I'm worried about him being too chalky, but um, we're still kind of in draft mode now. We haven't gotten into DFS talk or uh, week one talk. We're going to save that for, as we probably transition to that, probably through the course of the week. Um, Certainly still going to be providing all the updates for roster watch Nation to the maniacal cheat sheets. I haven't had really one of my home league drafts yet. We're going to have our first one tonight. Super excited about that. Uh, I guess my final thought from the Minnesota game, uh, Dalvin Cook, he's the starter, man. He didn't get much done in this one, but look, it was the first game with Latavius active and Latavius Murray was a non-factor. He is a backup. He is a change of pace. He didn't get in until the second quarter and he looked like himself when he did. Bumbling, just sputtering, lumbering, upright runner who has always been shitty, who we've told you shitty from the very time that just these idiots, they come at us on Twitter, you know, and told you, you know, I mean, we've told you he sucks. And all he's done during his career is he's absolutely sucks. He's terrible after first contact. So uh, Latavius Murray, not a factor. Dalvin Cook, still the guy there in Minnesota. That brings an end to this edition of the roster watch podcast. Again, please go give us a five star rating and review in iTunes. I'm looking at my uh, text messages right here. I have some from Byron Lambert, who is already giving me updates there from Miami. We'll have him on the podcast at some point during the week. Again, guys, please go rate it, go review it, go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership. It's the best way to support all the hard work that we do for you guys uh, here on the podcast and on the website. So, for byron lambert for the trash man for the robot genius and all of roster watch nation my name is alex dunlap this is the roster watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com we will see you next time